Hi there. Welcome to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration Pack. I'm Doug Truax, founder and president of Restoration Pack. Today, we are so excited to once again have Julie Kelly as our guest. Julie is one of the most popular conservative columnists in America right now. She's the author of a new book, Disloyal Opposition, How the Never Trump Right Tried and Failed to Take Down the President. And she has some thoughts about the election last week. So Julie, welcome back to the show. Hey Doug, thank you so much for having me back on. You bet. So just let's jump right into it. Uh, so give us your take on the election. Do you think President Trump has a chance of winning this thing in the courts? I definitely do. I mean, every hour it seems like there's more encouraging news. We know now today that Georgia is demanding a hand recount of that election. So that should give us some insight into how uh, that election went down. Um, also, there has to be encouraging signs coming out of Pennsylvania. You have uh, attorneys general from several states who are filing amicus briefs about, uh, you know, they're extending basically election day, uh, three more days in violation of the state legislature. So unfortunately, the Supreme Court kind of punted on that before the election. I think we would have had a much different outcome right now if they would have taken that up. But it, anyway, that's still proceeding. Arizona, it looks like a mandatory recount. They haven't called that race. Well, most people haven't, except for Fox News called it, you know, an hour before the polls closed. And Wisconsin as well. And so that is, I believe, a 20,000 vote margin. So there's definitely room there for the president uh, in Wisconsin, in Pennsylvania, certainly in Arizona, to pick those states possibly back up. And of course, if he does, he wins the election. Um, even if I believe he keeps Arizona, loses Wisconsin, but gets Pennsylvania, and of course keeps Georgia, and now that they finally called North Carolina for the president, there's a pathway to this. But you know, it's just outrageous to see the media and the Democratic Party and uh, the never Trump Republicans who I've written about demand that the president concede when we know that there's not just random examples of voter fraud, but this whole mail-in ballot uh, debacle where you've got almost, you know, 40% of the election of the electorate voted by mail. Um, most of those either by two to one margin or in some states three to one margins went to Joe Biden. How you authenticate those ballots uh, is really going to be a challenge though so, and I know you guys are working on that as well. So there is hope I guess I should say. Yeah I'm hopeful too. Uh, if anybody can pull it off Trump can. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I've been shocked to watch the sudden office of the president-elect emerge and you get the feeling that the media, uh, you know, along with the Democrats, is basically being redundant. Uh, they are based. They, they've built this uh, narrative now to convince everybody nationwide that no, nah, no, nah, Joe's got it. It's let's just move on. There's nothing to see here. New York Times has a headline out. I didn't read the story. It's like no fraud anywhere. It is just so untrue, and you just get this sense. It's like this. Let's just. They've all grouped together and said, if we just say it enough, right, if we just say the lie enough, it'll, everybody will believe it. We'll just act like it's happening. Uh, but good for Trump. He's not playing along. Uh, but you know what I'm saying about like this, that, that, whole, that, that whole narrative they're pushing at us right now? It's a total disinformation campaign. That New York Times headline, you almost have to laugh. It's so hilarious. It, it looks fake, but it's actually real. 
if here's the New York Times saying that there's no evidence of voter fraud, they talked to election officials of both parties from all of these states and they all said no fraud. Well, of course they're gonna say no fraud. Um, what's really encouraging though, Doug, is to see the Republican Party stand behind the president. They have been warned by the 71 million plus Trump voters that we are not going to back down, that we realize from the beginning this election was rigged the entire ongoing uh, you know, panic about coronavirus, the CDC setting out voting guidelines in April about the general election in November, insisting that this be an all mail-in or as much as it could be mail-in ballot election. So we were warned to see it really play out in real time though, to see the New York Times, to see Joe Biden behind his office of the president-elect, which is of course an imaginary office, um, and to be, bullied into trying to force the president to uh, concede. It's very encouraging to see people from Lindsey Graham to other, you know, basically the entire Republican House of Representatives um, and governors stand behind the president because they know if they don't, they will pay during the next election. We don't want any more get along, go along Republicans, common ground, let's just be good sports. Um, that era in Republican politics is over. Yeah, that's a great point. And uh, one of the things that I'm really encouraged about is just the sheer amount of people that voted for President Trump. And you could feel like what you were talking about. I could kind of feel it. There's these never Trumpers, like, you know, we got Adam Kinzinger here in Illinois. I mean, Chris Christie was getting on the edge of things in the beginning. But I think that they all started to realize what you just said. It's like, wait a minute we are on the wrong side of this and especially if trump pulls it out which i can't imagine how they couldn't you know get up on wednesday morning and be like wait a minute we were up seven hundred thousand. now we're you know it's like do you not see what happened right in front of you and, and maybe it is because um you know we you and i both live outside of chicago uh you know we're fully aware of the fact that the democrat party is definitely like hey well how many votes do we need to actually win? You know, and they leave themselves a little bit of room in there and they don't have to worry too much about it in Illinois because it's so blue. But then you have these other cities like Detroit and Philadelphia that were in these key states. So, so talk to that for a minute. What's your opinion of our ability in any of these states, Chicago, Detroit, Philadelphia, pick another you know, big blue metro area. What's, the, what's our ability to get an accurate count out of any of those major cities? I mean, I think it's, non-existent to yeah. be honest um and so that's why they're looking at other areas outside of these metro areas you know think about i believe the philadelphia results you had donald trump who won unprecedented numbers of support from minorities especially from black men but i believe the outcome in pencil in philadelphia was five percent blacks voted for the president that doesn't jibe anywhere. Also, Doug, think about what happened in Pennsylvania. This just uh, happened yesterday. A Republican challenger beat the incumbent Pennsylvania state treasurer by 80,000 votes. Nothing like that has happened in Pennsylvania since 1994. That was a big victory, defeating a an incumbent Democratic statewide official. None of these numbers are jiving. How can we be picking up 10 or 12 House seats? How can we have held the Senate? How can we, how can Republican challengers be defeating statewide pen, Democratic office holders in Pennsylvania? None of this matches the mood of the electorate. 
Um, and so as far as the, what's going to happen in the big cities, how those counts are going to go, uh, I think it, there's not a lot of hope there. But there's ways that they can tabulate samples of what the fraud was. We already know that the rejection rate for mail-in ballots is far lower than it even was in the primary. I believe it was roughly three or 4%. Now it's less than 1%. So again, none of these figures are adding up. And um, you know, I think that that just further emboldens our side as the day, every day there's new revelations about successful Republican victories and more examples of voter fraud. Yeah, for sure. Like more of a red wave, except for the president. It just doesn't make any sense at all what they're talking about. Very frustrating. I just think that as Republicans, we just always have to be ready to win by four points because all this stuff is going on behind the scenes. And it's just not who we are, obviously. But I just think that they were they were pulling into this coronavirus piece and they just said, hey, uh, the media is going to help us out. I want you to talk more about this. You mentioned a second ago. Uh, the media is going to help us out. We'll put old Joe in the basement. We'll kind of get ready for what we need to do. Pennsylvania starts passing some laws that are going to be unconstitutional, I think. But they had the they, they had the distortion of the coronavirus piece from the media working in their favor. So, um, you know, I think if Trump doesn't pull it off, that's going to be a huge factor. I want to get your opinion on that. But talk a little bit about the media's just distortion of of the COVID piece in general and how they how they've been using it. Well, you know, Doug, I've been covering the coronavirus crisis since it first started. Um, I was one of a handful of commentators, columnists on the right, who objected to the lockdown from the beginning, even the 15 days to flatten the curve, because you could see where that was going. Um, and you could see how it was going to be weaponized during the, uh, an election year, which of course it was. I just wrote a column this week as well about what Pfizer did which was blatantly delay the good news about a coronavirus vaccine until after the election, even though they had promised to uh, release their phase three uh, preliminary analysis at the end of October. And look what the media did with that. This is just one more example. So instead of giving the president credit, the New York Times comes out and claims that the vaccine had nothing to do with Operation Warp Speed, which was the president's uh, operation to rush a vaccine, basically, for so it would be ready at the end, at the beginning of next year. So here the media was again doing Joe Biden's bidding, lying to the American people in cahoots with Big Pharma to weaponize coronavirus in really a contemptible way, especially when it comes to a vaccine, because you have so many people who are really wanting to take the vaccine and believe that that's the only way we can quote unquote get back to normal. So it's been weaponized from day one. Um, the CDC has been involved, the FDA has been involved, the media has been involved. So we just see this continue to manifest this operation, disinformation operation between the Democrats, Joe Biden and the media, and let's not forget big tech. They are tagging and flagging almost every tweet that the president um, posts as election disinformation. They're even flagging lawsuits that have been filed that are legitimate lawsuits as election disinformation. Um, and so this is this concerted effort. They've been planning it for months. And, um, you know, here we are trying to do our best to fight it. And thankfully, we have the president who is is taking the lead, as usual, once again. As usual. And I know you get really frustrated with Republicans, as do I. 
but we have got to grow more of a spine going forward or the big tech guys like to your point or the next crisis is going to get it's they're going to try to run us over with it i mean the COVID thing in particular if it didn't come around i don't have any doubt trump would have been re-elected no problem i mean things were going fantastic uh, and they got this, they saw their opportunity. The media was, you know, helps them any chance they get. And then too often Republicans cower in the corner. And I know you call them out a lot and I, and I really appreciate you doing that. I hopefully they'll be better going forward, right? Well, I hope so. I, I think that they are taking their cues. It's refreshing to see someone like Lindsey Graham, who I feel has been a huge disappointment. I mean, the Senate Republicans have been a disgrace really, aside from appointing judges and approving Supreme Court nominees, um, the power that they've abdicated, how they have submitted to the media and the Democratic Party over the past four years, gone along with the Russian collusion hoax, went along with the uh, destructive uh, Robert Mueller investigation into imaginary crimes of collusion, um, in cahoots with the media. They've really, uh, really been a disgrace. I've been very critical of the Senate Republicans. So. I think we have a gift here, which is the two seats that they're hoping to pick up in Georgia or hold, really. Um, so Mitch McConnell and the Republicans, we sort of have this hanging over their head. And what I've argued is that we should not support, regardless, um, support the two candidates for Georgia Senate until we see how our leaders in Washington are going to behave related to this election. So I think that they've Mitch McConnell, he's a very smart man, politically savvy guy. Um, I think he's taken those cues and he knows that we're, we're paying attention and that they could lose those two Georgia Senate seats. Um, first of all, if there's no trust in the election in that state and also just uh, the Republican base being dispirited by weak Republican national leadership aside from the president. Yeah, gotta keep stepping it up. Uh, that's the only way forward here. And I just think too, you, you replay all the stuff that the Senate didn't do, because I'm with you, the judges, that's all great. But if Trump didn't have as much resistance that he had, and if the Republicans would have helped him from the very beginning, just think about how much he would have gotten done. It's unbelievable to think about he did all that in spite of them. That's exactly right, Doug. And you know, think about this. Think about someone like Mitt Romney. The first sitting U.S. Senator in American history to vote to convict a president of his own party. Mitt Romney is not paying any political price for that. To the contrary, that's the only way the guy can get attention for himself is being this anti-Republican, uh, anti-Trump uh, Republican senator. Now, you and I know, imagine if that were Barack Obama in a Democratic Senate. That guy would have been run out of D.C. He would have been stripped of any committee assignments. He would have been banished from any Republican donor. Yet here he is, you know, he's on the Sunday shows, just bashing the president. No one's holding him accountable. Other people like Ben Sass, you know, they just say horrible things, untrue things about the president. There's no penalty, penalty to be paid. Um, and that's a real problem in the Mitch McConnell era in the Senate. Um, and so you're right, they have done more to damage the president than try to help him. Um, and so to that point, Doug, you have to ask the question, why, why do we need a Republican Senate then? Even if they win both of those Senate seats, it'll be what, a, a one seat majority? It will empower people like Mitt Romney. So really, what difference is it going to make? That's sort of the argument that some of us have been making. 
Um, so maybe that's why we've seen a little bit of change of tone and a change of heart, really. Yeah, we got to change the tone a lot. And I think that there needs to be more primary going on as we go forward. We've got to get serious about this because Trump has laid out a lot of things for us to see here. And this is one of them very clearly about where people stand. The never Trumpers are never going to give him any any bit of credit. You're going to stand in his way. And if you're going to do that, then you know, we don't need you around, just like what you said. And we got we to gotta figure that out going forward for sure. So um, last question for you then. So uh, as far as, you know, back to Republicans, hopefully, you know, getting more of a spine in some of these situations, um, election integrity, you know, what do you think needs to happen going forward to make sure we don't get into this mess again uh, and, uh, and find ourselves back in the same spot? That's a great question. I mean, I think a lot has to be done especially related to these mail-in ballots. Um, if you watch the process, there's no way, as we just talked about, to validate. Um, they have, to, and the Republican Party has to be better about making sure that they have people on the ground, especially in these cities, as canvassers, as poll watchers. I think that that probably seemed to be a mistake by the Republican Party. But Josh Hawley has already come out, the uh, um, uh, Republican senator from Missouri who has said, he has a whole package of uh, national election reforms. This would have been nice to have a year or so ago. Right, right. But, uh, you know, uh, that's fine. We'll see where he gets with that. But yes, there needs to be major reform and, you know, getting rid of mail-in ballots or at least putting some very tough, stringent measures on how those ballots are handled uh, would be priority number one, in my opinion. Yeah, I feel like the good old days of this is the election day and bring in your photo ID. And if you're going to be out of town on vacation, uh, maybe absentee, you know, for for sure deployed military. But if you're going to be out on vacation, uh, maybe you should evaluate your vacation time relative to your love of the country. Uh, maybe that's an extreme position, but we just we need to get closer to closer back to that. Otherwise, it does sneak into this. We have election season now. You know, there's all this early voting and ballots floating around everywhere, which is just a recipe for disaster. So couldn't agree more. We'll see what Holly gets done. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, for sure. And, um, you know, that's just another example, really, of what the Republican Senate should have been working on, but didn't. Right, but, right. Yes, but we, there's a long list. So, you know, we still have uh, the presidency and we still have the Senate uh, for at least the next several weeks. They have a lot of work to do. And that's right. if they do it. That's right. That's right. Well, we'll encourage them. So, that's right. well, hey, Julie, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Doug. I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks. All right. Very good. Well, all right. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and for supporting conservative media. Don't ever forget working together and staying diligent. We conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. So until next week, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe now at restorationofamerica.com slash first right or text first right to one 920 9167